Hey caffeinators, welcome to the Vet Tech Cafe. The Vet Tech Cafe is a podcast centered around veterinary technicians and nurses, hosted by myself, Dave Cowan, and my good friend, Jeff Backus. We strive to discuss current issues facing our profession and give our colleagues a voice and a medium to enter into these discussions. Our guests are experts in the veterinary field that we hope can help our listeners work towards dealing with these issues, as well as coming up with solutions that can lead to change. If you have a question, comment, or would like to be a guest on the Vet Tech Cafe, please contact us at vettechcafe at gmail.com, or you can find us at our website, vettechcafe.com. One thing we would ask of you, our listeners, is to rate and review us on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. We're not exactly sure how or why this helps us, but apparently it does. So without further ado, come on in, grab yourself a cup of coffee, and get ready for another episode of the Vet Tech Cafe. Hello, caffeinators. Welcome back to another episode of the Vet Tech Cafe, where it's always take your daughter to work day. And uh, I say that because, Dave, I go back to work tomorrow. Yes, yes. Which is a little frightening after being on paternity leave for, for 16 weeks. But yeah, uh, and I work from home, so of course I will be taking my daughter to work. So <laughs> um, we'd like to thank <laughs> well, all you're of taking You're taking work to your daughter, really. Oh, I, guess, I guess, yeah, I guess maybe I'm taking work to my daughter. And technically my, my <laughs> office is, is also doubles as her nurse. So I, I don't know. <laughs> maybe she comes to work with me. Maybe I go to to the nursery with her. I don't know. But we'd <laughs> like to thank all of our caffeinators for uh, for continuing to uh, tune in and buy our merchandise, which we have a whole bunch of new merchandise available uh, on the website after our strategic planning meeting, if you will, this past weekend in Austin, Texas. Um, got some cool new designs and different stuff up there. So definitely check it out. Thank you for continuing to download the episodes and and subscribing to all of our channels. We'd also like to give a shout out and a thank you to all of our patrons, Liz, Nikki, Robin, and Sandra. And if this is your first time here, go to vettechcafe.com. All of our info is there, our bios, kind of why we started this podcast, what we hope to do with it. And, and as we approach the start of our fourth year of doing this, um, I, think we, I think we've kind of hit on what we wanted to do with it. And, and we really like where this is headed. So definitely check us out there. Dave, how's things going out there? What's on your mind? Uh, things are good here. I've uh, I've got like one thing on my horizon is just to, to finish up my IVEX lectures. And then after that, I don't want to say I, I don't have anything to do because that, that is never <laughs> the case. But I have less things that are like pressing that I, that I need to get to right away. So looking forward to uh, the break from actually writing and, and doing all that because in Austin the, the primary reason I was there in Austin was was to teach so we did some some wet labs and I gave some lectures uh, at Pet Specialist of Austin so moving forward just finishing up my IVEX lectures and then going into introvert hell and going to IVEX <laughs> you can remind me again and we'll remind caffeinators now uh, if you see me, force me to take you take a picture with you because I probably won't ask. Right, but right. Force me to do that because that's yeah, that's not my normal mo. But um, looking forward to IVEX. Uh, looking forward to be on the the board of directors of of AVEX and um, mm -hmm. excited to see what that is going to be. But other than that, just doing the podcast and uh, getting some stuff done on the farm here. Uh, we're going to be talking to somebody else that has a probably a much more involved farm than I do. <laughs> Every farm is, is going to have its own little things that it needs. So how are you doing out there? Are you getting ready for 
for for your return to work? Yeah, yeah. I logged in yesterday and cleaned out. I think it was uh, like four hundred and seventy nine or something. Wow. Uh, and and I cleaned out the first month I was on leave, so that was really only the last twelve weeks or so. But I got through all of those, and I I, I couldn't remember how to even access the scheduling software. <laughs> I, I think I think this first week back is going to be a little bit of a struggle. But I'm just going to take my time and do the best I can, and you know get right back into it and get my feet wet. So um, I am looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to the new schedule and all that. So hopefully... Uh... Well, and props to you for ignoring that, all that stuff while you're away. Like <laughs> like shutting shutting it off, you know, taking a true paternity leave and not yeah. not looking at anything work-related because, trust me, I would, I would have a hard time doing that myself. Yeah, and I definitely want to say, too, they very much encouraged that. They told yeah, me not yeah. to, to check my emails. They told me not to check my phone, to check the group chats or anything like that. And... and I do have the the app on my phone so I could see how many emails I had, but it's on the second page of the phone where I never really go. Yep. So it was kind of yep. out of sight, out of mind, and, and really until the last couple of weeks, I hadn't even really thought about it. So yeah. so definitely good. But um, you mentioned uh, today's guest is, is to having a, you know, a, maybe a little bit more involved farm than you do. And, <laughs> and I'm super excited for this episode because if I'm not mistaken, I think we've only done one episode with somebody that works in large animal in any right. capacity. And I think that was Molly from Purdue, uh, the equine VTS. And that was a year and a half ago, maybe. Yeah, that was, that was, yeah. I remember that was actually while, while Molly and I were the other, my Molly, uh, were moving across country from New England to California is when that, so that was, yeah. So that was like October, 2020. And, you know, you and I don't have a lot of large animal contacts. Certainly neither of us have ever really spent any time in that side of the field and other than what i have here at the farm yeah and and what kind of couple of questions i want to ask our guest about today is i almost feel like that's kind of how large animal medicine is in the grander mm-hmm. scheme of veterinary medicine kind of i don't know maybe forgotten about or or just like you know it's it's a it's so much a small animal dominated and and that, you know that's what we know but we've tried so hard to to include our large animal colleagues and and I'm glad that we uh, we have somebody to chat with some about some of this stuff today. So we have Meg Harrington coming by the Vet Tech Cafe. She's a CVT certified veterinary technologist, uh, specializes in livestock consulting and production animal care for Nashville Animal Hospital. No, not that Nashville. This is Nashville, Arkansas. Uh, she's a 2022 <laughs> applicant with the Academy of Internal Medicine for veterinary technicians. So AIMVT seeking a VTS in production animal internal medicine. So we're going to talk about that. Um, She grew up on a cow-calf operation in southern Indiana and has always had a passion for the cattle industry and graduated from Purdue University School of Veterinary Medicine with a degree in veterinary technology in 2009 with an emphasis on herd health and production medicine. Her previous experience includes working for the Purdue University Animal Science Beef Research Center as a large animal veterinary technologist. Uh, in 2013, she relocated to Arkansas to become veterinary technology program director and built a curriculum for a two-year AVMA seeking a program seeking AVMA accredited accreditation. Excuse me. And then within one year, Meg was hired at Bowringer Ingelheim, uh, where she spent eight years educating producers and veterinary professionals about cattle health, collecting diagnostic samples, participating in research products, and consulting uh, with herd veterinarians on unique medicine cases alongside her technical services veterinarian. 
She resides on a ranch in Sheridan, Arkansas, where she runs a registered cow herd with her husband, Cody, and four-year-old daughter, Hadley, and has a strong desire to educate and develop herd health programs specific to the needs of her producers through risk assessment and disease surveillance, in addition to helping them see the economic benefit of utilizing certain products to boost production through weight gain, increased reproductive performance, and facilitate ways to decrease morbidity and mortality uh, in high-risk cattle. And then lastly, she advocates for keeping production animals healthy, keeping our food supply safe, and keeping America fed. And one of her most recent contributions to supporting her clients is the facilitation and development of an autogenous mastitis vaccine after identifying an increased number of clinical mastitis cases in dairy herds when commercially available mastitis vaccines were permanently discontinued. So, wow. Meg, thank you so much for taking <laughs> some time out. I know that's amazing, uh, amazing that's work there already. Thank you so much for joining us here at the Vet Tech Cafe to talk about all this cool stuff. Uh, first off, what can we gift you for a cup of coffee or, or other caffeinated beverage of choice? Well, I'm kind of bougie when it comes to coffee, and I like the iced caramel <laughs> macchiato. Okay. You like a, a, a caramel macchiato? We can definitely get that going I for am, you. So, yeah, but it has to be, well, I mean, <laughs> I like them iced or hot, but you know, it's, oh, okay. it's hot here. So I'll take, I'll it, take it iced. <laughs> and yeah, iced. All right. It is, it is summertime. The heat is on for sure. So if you don't mind, uh, take us through your career path. I know I mentioned, you know, a bit there in your, in your bio, but kind of what got you started in veterinary medicine, some of the stops along the way, um, you know, maybe your path and what you're working on towards your VTS and, and what you kind of do with your day to day. And we'll jump off from there. Yeah. So I know you covered a lot of it. Yes, I did uh, <laughs> attend Purdue I started off in veterinary medicine at an early age, uh, volunteering in a mixed animal practice in Indiana, and I just knew this is where I needed to be, and I just don't think I could ever be outside of veterinary medicine. It's just, it's my passion, um, and I've always had a major interest in in cattle. Uh, growing up on a cattle ranch, working with cattle, um, working with our producers in veterinary practice, I just knew it was the kind of people that I enjoyed and I knew it was the animals that I wanted to continue to work with. So, you know, I went to Purdue and um, Molly actually was one of my instructors at Purdue. Oh, cool. There, oh, so how she, funny. <laughs> she's awesome. So, yeah. So I went to Purdue while I was working there. I spent some time working at the beef research unit. A lot of um, studies that were done there were mainly nutrition studies. So I enjoyed that aspect of it and seeing that side of um, some of the graduate studies that were going on there. And then um, came back into practice for a little while in southern Indiana. Then met my husband in Arkansas and moved to Arkansas. And that's where I was hired on to be a program uh, director for a veterinary technology program that was seeking AVMA accreditation. So wrote some curriculum for that. Uh, spent about a year there working on creating their curriculum and started off their first class and then started with Beringer Ingelheim and had been there for quite some time up until this spring. So the time that I spent at Beringer Ingelheim, I am so grateful for because it, it has gave me so many contacts um, with so many veterinarians across the state that it's it's really helped me advance in my career and it's it's put me where I am today. So I'm grateful for that part of my career and where it's helped me get to and a lot of the education that I developed during that time because I really got to work 
well um, with my technical services veterinarian to consult with veterinarians on cases that they deal with. Most of the cases that we were dealing with at the time were a lot of respiratory cases where we'd pull different diagnostics and, and do necropsies and then pink eye cases, uh, parasite cases, uh, reproductive failures or abortions. So we would be able to do some diagnostics and kind of investigate a little bit further about why these uh, specific problems were happening in these herds and how we could help facilitate and try to get answers for the, for the veterinarians working on the cases and then also to the producers. Gotcha. That's a lot of information. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I love it. Um, and then so so you have left now uh, Beringer and, and you're more just in practice. Is that correct? Yes. So I am back in practice and I am loving it. I uh, have a, an amazing team of veterinarians and assistants that I get to work with. I just, I couldn't, I don't know. I I didn't know how happy I would be to come back to practice, but I, I am enjoying it so much. I'm working with this a lot of the same producers that I was working with um, when I was still at Beringer Ingelheim, and I still visit with a lot of the same veterinarians because they end up calling me and say, "Hey, we got we got a cattle question. Can we call you?" <laughs> um, so I, I do get to work with a variety of people still, but I'm now working under one veterinarian specifically, and he is an amazing boss. He is an advocate for veterinary technicians and utilizing them in practice to the fullest extent. And a lot of what I do, I can do under indirect supervision because we have an amazing practice act in Arkansas. Oh, great. Wow. Great. Awesome. Um, just thinking about the the profession as a whole and you know, as Jeff said earlier, you're like our second large animal tech and Molly had said that she's very well utilized. And I'm wondering how, how you feel you were utilized and are there things that we need to do specifically for your area of the profession? You know, we talk a lot about small animal, but we don't really talk to too many people that are in large animals. So how is how are things going on your side of the profession? You know, I think there's just not very many of us on yeah. the large animal side as far as credentialed technicians. It's There's a small pool of us um, when it comes to credentialed technicians that are working in large animal medicine. And I hate to speak for everyone, but I mean, I can say that I am... I am truly utilized to the fullest extent um, when it comes to what I do on a day-to-day -day basis. So, you know, I'll spend time in the hospital, but I also do spend a lot of time ambulatory. And I mean, I am equipped with the equipment to go out. For instance, this morning I went out, we had a, a calf that was impaled by a pipe in the abdomen. And Eesh. so I go out and I, I examine, <laughs> yeah, I'll do a, a full physical exam on this patient, whip out the ultrasound machine, take some ultrasound images, report back to my veterinarian, and we'll basically decide on a treatment plan for this individual animal and what we need to do together across the phone so that because the veterinarian's, you know, seeing other patients, he's actually working cattle this morning somewhere else. We're able to utilize that um, to the fullest extent here in Arkansas. Wow. And we have a major veterinary shortage and a large veterinary shortage um, as far as the, the large animal side goes. So we're able to utilize technicians in that aspect. And it's it's become so known and how I work in that way. I've actually had other veterinarians reach out that have credentialed technicians on staff say, hey, can my tech come spend a day with you or come ride with you so that we can see how you work so we can do that with her here? And I say, absolutely. And my boss is all for it too because he also wants to see the profession advance. That's awesome. That's really cool. Is that unique to you? Are you? I, I know we're, we're talking about you becoming a VTS. So is that unique to you that you're able to do that without like a veterinarian? Like I would imagine in small animal, no. like we could never do that. No, I don't, I don't think. Well, so I think it's unique to our state because we have such a great okay. practice act. We can do a lot under indirect supervision. There's like two things under direct supervision that we can do, and that's mainly surgical assisting. Mm -hmm. The other ones for direct supervision are suturing of incisions 
and I mean, they're just, or anesthesia. So they're really, the number of things we do under direct supervision are very small. The number of things we can do under indirect supervision, which means we are a phone call away from a veterinarian, or we have a written protocol to assess patients and then treat accordingly is huge. And it's because we have such a large veterinary shortage in 2020, they went in and changed our practice act to be able to utilize these different ways. And there's veterinarians that are utilizing this in small animal. Right now, I'm kind of the only one that's really utilizing it in large animal. But again, there's just not very many of us that want to work on food animals. (laughs) Right. right. (laughs) um, There's more technicians that are gaining interest in it. And that is a large part of what I'm trying to do is just educate like what you can do with a technician in this aspect. Uh, And especially in Arkansas, because we can, but there's other states that you can't. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's just a matter of educating and growing it. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned in there ambulatory. I worked for a short period of time at Tufts University and while my wife was in vet school there, and and I know she rotated through ambulatory as a rotation, but for those of us that are, are primarily small animal people that aren't familiar with ambulatory. Can you just briefly describe what that is? Yeah. So it's like a hospital on wheels. Okay. <laughs> That's a good way to put it, right? My, my day to day, right? So I have a fully stocked vet truck that I work out of. I have ultrasound with me all the time. I have uh, refractometers where I can, I can run a total protein or I can do, you know, general, just basic blood work. I can run shoot side essentially is what it's going to be for me because I'm, I'm primarily working on cattle. So there's a lot of things that I can do shoot side. All the medications I could ever need really are on the truck. All the equipment that I could basically need for just general evaluation of a patient's going to be there on the truck. If it gets to be in more in depth, it'll be something that we can haul into the hospital to where we can either put it on a, a table for anesthesia and do general, or if it's a, you know, for instance, maybe it's a foot problem and we really need to put it on a tilt table, we can bring it into the hospital um, and put it on the table and examine it further that way. So, but ambulatory mainly is just basically working out of the truck and we do a lot of that, but we have a lot of haul in patients as well that we have to assess at the hospital because they're a lot more in depth than what we can do in the field. Jeff, we kind of call that like house calls, right? Yeah. Yeah. So Yeah. yeah that's at, that's kind of what I was thinking. Yeah. And, and, but, but again, like she said, um, and, and I love the phrase shoot side. I have definitely <laughs> never heard of that as opposed to cage side or, or bedside, I but <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, no, it's just a great glimpse into, into what you do, because again, for, for me, I mean, you know, over 25 years in small animal and I mean, my mom had a couple of horses, but not like, you know, nothing Nothing like that that I'm familiar with. So it's 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 fascinating to to hear about. Well, we've we've had them come to our house, but it, I mean, it's primarily just the doctor that shows up, right? And and usually, like 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 she said, they have like this stocked vet truck that has all their stuff in there. But I've I've never seen a technician. But maybe that's just because of the area we're in, or maybe it's yeah. different. Meg, is it is it different cattle versus horses? As far as utilization goes? No. So, I mean, no. You, I mean, you could utilize a technician yeah. on the equine aspect. So part of the business. Absolutely. The deal was <laughs> with the veterinarian I work for, cause he knows how much I enjoy cattle. I mean, I had a lot of bargaining power when I decided to, to make the big move because he said, what is it going to take for you to come work for me? So I said, I only want to do production animals. So it was kind of oh, to okay. my advantage that I only yeah. do production animals. So that's what I do. If I wanted to work on horses, I absolutely could. I just choose to mainly work on production animals because that's my passion. But yes, absolutely in Arkansas, you could utilize this on the equine ambulatory side as well if you wanted to. So we do have a fair number. I mean, Arkansas, it's, it's challenging here because we don't have a vet school. 
We don't mm. have a teaching hospital to where if you have, you know, difficult cases that you can refer them to. And it's, it's especially difficult in equine because we do have a racetrack here. We have some equine veterinarians. There's only one facility that will cut a colic. So it's very, it's very challenging for horse owners here to be able to manage that. So it's a, it's a challenge here. And as far as a small animal, we do have, you know, the referral center in uh, little rock, which is great. We, we send some of this, like it's a mixed animal practice that I do work in. I'd literally hardly set foot in the small animal side of the building though. <laughs> <laughs> we send a lot of our, you know, emergencies on the small animal side to Shreveport or little rock. Cause that's kind of our options um, on the small animal side of things. But we are the place that cattle come to or goats, you know, if it's, if it's a difficult medicine case on the production animal side, this is where they come because we will, we will put them on the table and we will do the surgeries. And otherwise, if they don't come to us, they have to haul six hours away. So gotcha. it, yeah, it's a yeah. challenge uh, for a lot of pet owners and animal owners in Arkansas because we don't have a teaching hospital and I don't think we ever will, um, but it is a challenge here. So we just, we have to learn to adapt as we go, but mm. it is, it's interesting and in how work. But a lot of that, the reason a lot of things changed um, in 2020 was because we have such a large shortage of veterinarians in general. Like for instance, we have 14.3 veterinarians per 100,000 people, which isn't very many. And then we oh. have, if you look at our like stock inventory, we have almost 1.7 million cattle and we are 11th in the entire country for cattle inventory, but yet we are 49th in the country for veterinary population ratio. So that's, that's some shocking numbers. If you look at like what our, yeah. you know, what our population ratio yeah. of veterinarians is versus what our cattle numbers are. I mean, we're a very big ag rural state. We don't have the veterinarians to work on large animals and it's a challenge. And this is, this was our state's way of figuring out how to address those issues. And, and we're looking at doing more. So, yeah, I was going to say kudos to them because uh, I mean, I, I honestly don't know, you know, with those numbers, those, those I absolutely are shocking. I, I don't know what other options there are. I mean, it's, it's really difficult to recruit veterinarians anywhere. But I, I mean, I know from just my little time in academia, granted, it was a school in New England. So maybe, maybe not completely representative of vet schools across the US. But there was not very many p students that were large animal focused. There was a couple I remember, and I know that have gone into mixed animal practice. But I would actually say there was more that were wildlife or zoo focused than than large animal oh, wow. uh, in terms of students. So I, I can only imagine that challenge. That's wow. Wow, those are very scary numbers. So much of it is, I think, education. Because in Arkansas, the profession of veterinary technology is very young. They didn't get their first school here until 2009 for veterinary technology. Okay. So it's very young. Yeah. Very wow. young. Okay. There was technicians in the state before the school came. But it is a very young profession. Uh, and a lot of veterinarians don't. They just don't know how to use a technician. Sure. And especially now since the Practice Act changed, I was involved in a survey recently that was put out to veterinarians. And many of them didn't even know the Practice Act had changed in 2020 with the scope of practice for CBTs. So there, it's just a very, you know, we got to educate. We got to educate on this. Uh, we got to educate veterinarians on what a CBT is, how they become a CBT, what a BTS is, how we utilize these people to the fullest extent because they just don't know. And I mean, that's what it boils down to is they just don't know and we've got to be better. And then on the other side of that, I think we could do better in educating high schoolers 
that are coming out of high school looking for, you know, a career, um, especially those who have interests in ag related careers, you know, they think they have to either go to vet school or they have to get an animal science degree. And, and in our state, they go work for Tyson, the chicken plant. <laughs> um, but we want to, you know, we want them like you can go to vet tech school and be a technician and work you you can go out there and work cattle all day like there's a there's a way to do this and we just got to figure out how to get to those people because that's the mindset is oh i gotta i come out of high school i go to college i'm interested in agriculture i want to get a i'm going to be a veterinarian or i'm going to get an animal science degree or ag business degree they don't even know about veterinary technology so right right trying to advocate, advocate for that I mean, from what you're describing, I, I don't I don't have actual numbers in front of me, but it sounds like Arkansas is a very agricultural state. So it seems like just living in the state, you're smacked in the face with, oh, there's production animals everywhere. You would think that would be a much more popular career path for people. And, and why do you think it is that they just don't they don't head that way? Well, I, I just really think it's because they're not aware that it's even oh, available okay. to them. So okay. I just think we have to. Yeah. Keep- yeah. yeah, I just really think we have to be better at educating. So Caitlin, who is our Vet Tech Association president, you know, she's really been working hard on, you know, attending like the FFA convention and trying to get it out to them that, hey, you know, this is a career path for you and and reaching out to some of those high schoolers to let them know that you don't have to go to vet school. You don't have to get an animal science degree. You all, you have all these options, mm-hmm. but what about veterinary technology? So, right. and just talking to them and letting them know that it's an option because I think it's just unaware. You know, they're just unaware yeah. at this point. Yeah. So. yeah. Yeah. But we do have, you know, we do in our state, I will say we do have issues with retention of technicians too. But I think that all kind of comes back to utilization for those mm-hmm. technicians because they weren't being fully utilized and they're like, okay, well, I want to do something where I can be utilized and I can get paid well. Yes. And if, <laughs> right. if DVMs are not utilized, yeah, if they're not utilizing their technicians, they can't afford to pay them. But if right. we can teach DVMs to utilize their technicians, they can afford to pay them well. Right. So, right. Because their, their revenue for their practice is going up because if they're utilizing them, they are bringing in more revenue for that practice. For sure. Excellent point. You have a, a, a Facebook page called the Cattle Vet Tech, and I don't remember actually how it came to be that I, I stumbled onto that. I don't know if it was from our podcast Facebook page or from my personal page, but I stumbled onto it recently and started following it and, and you know, saw all of your posts and photos and videos. And again, from somebody that has less than zero large animal experience. I found it fascinating, not only what you were what you were educating people about through your page and disease processes or things that you can do, but but how you as the veterinary technician were doing all of this stuff and, and I, you know, reached out to Dave and said, Hey, we, we gotta see if we can get in touch with with this person because this is so cool. Talk a little bit about your Facebook page, what you're doing with it and and what you're hoping to do with it and, and how it's kind of come to be and, and what you see going on with it. I've always had a passion for education. So like when I when I started the teaching at the vet tech program as a program director and developing that curriculum curriculum, I loved teaching. I really enjoyed that. But I just it was again an opportunity for me to kind of move on to advance my career, to go to BI. And then while I was there, I also had the opportunity to continue teach. So I, I offered a lot of continuing education hours for credential technicians within the state when I was working at Barringer Ingelheim on different different things. So education's always just kind of been something near and dear to my heart that I I hope to continue to be able to do, um, whether it be providing continuing education to other individuals or making it be known on a social media platform of different things that we see on a daily basis um, in veterinary medicine that can can educate 
other credentialed technicians, even DBMs, but also can educate the producers, right? Because they're the ones that are, are usually seeing these things. So I'm, I'm trying to reach out to both of those aspects of people and, and get to the veterinary profession to say, hey, this is how you can utilize a technician, but also, hey, producers, this is something you might see on your operation where I can educate both of those people. And it's also been great too, because I'm working, you know, I'm also like, okay, I'm working through my BTS. What are cool cases that I see that yeah, I can share yeah. with people that would be- That's amazing. Nice? Yeah. So, yeah. Super cool. Super cool. So just thinking about, you know, we've, we've talked about how small your community is, is in the, in the veterinary technician profession. Um, how do you feel large animal techs are viewed and represented like on a national conversation? Like, I don't, I don't really, you know, with all the, the stuff that comes to my email from NAFTA, I, I rarely see anything representing large animal technicians. How do you feel about that? Yeah, you don't. I mean, you just don't. I mean, it's just kind of <laughs> underrepresented. <laughs> so, <laughs> good stuff, but <laughs> we just don't because it is so geared towards small animal. And that's right. just, I think, I mean, for me, I just know that and I don't worry about it or think yeah. about it. I just, I just roll on and do my job. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, I think that's the thing. It's just, I mean, it's so, everything is so geared towards small animal. And I'll, I'll even see it going to different veterinary conferences. It's always been a challenge for me because I'm, I've always done large animal medicine. I'll go to a conference and I have to go to the vet meetings because there's nothing for technicians that are in large animal medicine. Yeah. So yeah. it's a challenge, but I think that's just, it's everywhere. So my hopes with what I'm doing is, you know, I already have CE opportunities booked for the next year. Um, but I hope as I, you know, try to get through this VTS process to be able to provide more continuing education opportunities for technicians that have interest in production animal medicine, because I think that is something that we need so desperately because it's just not out there and it's not available. So I hope that I can be able to provide that for other technicians who have interest in large animal medicine. Is there like a, sure. a national large animal conference that you go to, or do you, do you just try to, like, I know when we go to IVEX, there's like a large animal track, but it, I mean, it's like a day of, you know, like six maybe lectures over the, the, the span of the five day conference. Is, is there a specific large animal conference that you go to? So um, Southwest usually has some pretty good uh, large animal okay. topics that they're trying to, you know, incorporate. And that's when I actually get to speak at next year. Oh, so I'm cool. excited about that. But fantastic. our local association, they try to put in a couple hours for our Arkansas VMA. Um, and then Purdue, usually they'll try to put in a few hours, but it's, it's just kind of a few hours here and there. But if I, you know, I personally would rather go spend a whole day yeah. Yeah. <laughs> learning yeah, about sure. different topics. Um, so then I end up attending vet meetings, but I will say, so, uh, the AABP, which is the American association of uh, bovine practitioners, they recently opened up their membership to technicians. So huge shout out to them. Oh. Thank you. I'm actually their first member. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. So if there is technicians out there that have interest in, you know, bovine medicine, then join the AABP because they are now accepting technician memberships. That's great. And they have fantastic. some opportunities. Yeah. You'll fantastic, have to fantastic. send us that Send us send us that info. We'll be happy to share that on the on the page on our website. Yeah, uh, that'd be, that's great. Yeah, absolutely. We're about halfway through, so why don't we take a little quick break here, and we'll pay some bills, and we'll be back after the break. The Vet Tech Cafe is sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp Online Therapy will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist, and you can start communicating in under forty eight hours. It's not a crisis line, and it's not self help. 
It's professional therapy done securely online that's more affordable than traditional in-person therapy and financial aid is available. Caffeinators receive 10% off the first month using BetterHelp.com slash VetTechCafe. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, to join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist, and you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. Don't take our word for it. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily at BetterHelp.com reviews. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot slash reviews. If you want to take charge of your mental health, visit BetterHelp.com slash VetTechCafe and get started today and get 10% off your first month. Be well, caffeinators. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the VetTechCafe, where normally we are a cat cafe, but for just this one time only, we're going to be a cattle cafe. Yes, yes. <laughs> Love it. We're going to need a, a lot of cleanup. Uh, around the tables, I think. <laughs> um, so Meg, uh, we just had our ad for better help. You know, we we try to focus a lot on mental health issues here at the Vet Tech Cafe. Um, so how do you manage your mental health? So I'm like the cattle vet tech and I love working on cattle every single day. But my like escape is getting to the house, getting on a horse and just taking a ride. Um, so that's for me, that's my escape. And then I'm kind of an adrenaline junkie and I like to run barrels. So <laughs> let me go to a rodeo and, you know, get my, <laughs> get my go fast in. And then I'm like, okay, I'm back to, let's go do what we need to do. So that's, that's great. Yeah, yeah, that's just me. Um, okay. I also have a wonderful support system with my husband and my four-year-old daughter. So they're always, you know, there and to be able to talk through things, that's too, great. I think is very important. Awesome. Awesome. That helps yeah. a ton. Uh, so, you know, as a, as a large animal technician, we asked Molly this question and I think she had some, some really unique insight when, when she was on talking about equine, what unique challenges do you face as a large animal technician that we may not think of in, in small animal medicine? Man, you know, I feel like I have it really good. Like, I hate to say that I have a bunch of challenges because I feel like I have it really good. Um, my boss is like, oh that calf needs joint injections here, go ahead. There you go. Do it. You know? So like, there's a lot of things I get to do and I don't feel like I see a lot of the challenges because I have a boss that says you can do this and he's supportive. And he says, you know, go after it. Like I support you just go after it. But one of the things that I have noticed that I have personally been challenged with on a daily basis is for a, for a technician to be able to establish veterinary care. So for large animals, right? So some of the limitations, while we have a wonderful practice act in Arkansas, the limitations is being able to provide initial care for clients that need just basic general care. So for example, we get a call on a weekly basis of a hurt goat, cow, pig, you know, some farm animal of some sort, right? That they can't get to the hospital. Well, our doctor schedules are completely booked. I may have the opportunity where I could get out there. But if they are not a current client and that BCPR has not already been established with one of the veterinarians, I cannot provide care to them. Right. So that is one of the biggest challenge that I am faced with on a daily basis because we end up having to turn away clients. And I know some of the veterinarians that I'm working with on the BTS initiative that are small animal veterinarians, they have the same 
the same challenges because, you know, their, their technician will be running the practice under indirect supervision. The DVM will be taking a day off while the technician's running the practice. An emergency comes in. It's not a regular client. They have to decline care. So that's one of the biggest challenges that we deal with, at least in Arkansas. Interesting. That is for sure a unique challenge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was probably something not everybody thinks about, but I just, I see it because I'm like, oh, I have, I can't help you. I'm sorry because you're not a regular client. So that's something we're challenged with. Gotcha. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. You know, since you talked about your communication and all that stuff with your, with your veterinarian, talk a little bit about the, the DVM and technician relationship that you have. And again, it, it sounds like you are kind of in a more unique situation than most large animal techs. So talk a little bit about that, how yours is different than technicians that are not quite in the situation that you're in. Yeah. So I think the, the relationship, I mean, I have um, with my associate DVMs that I work with and the managing DVM that I work with, when I was hired on, the best way he explained it to his staff members, because he's a hospital full of assistants. I'm the only technician in the entire hospital. Hmm. Shameless plug, we will be hiring. <laughs> we would take two more, maybe one in um, one that wants to work mixed animal, one that wants to work primarily small animal. Shameless plug there. <laughs> we need we need more technicians. So the way he explained it was I am to be treated equivalent almost to an associate DVM coming into that practice. So with how I work in the field and ambulatory, I will, you know, bring in samples or diagnostics. I will pass those diagnostics off to my assistant that works in the lab. She will run those samples. Reports come back to me. I will talk to the vet about the results. I call the owners about the results. So it's it's very different than probably most are, are really used to, but but that's how it feels in our hospital. Um, I really, truly felt, I feel like an equal to one of the doctors. Um, and I appreciate that and how I'm, I am treated and how um, I'm respected within our hospital as, as like almost an equal to one of the associates. That's amazing. That's amazing. And, you know, as far as kind of along the same lines, what about your relationship as the technician performing all of this, these things with, with the ranchers or, or with the owners of the herd, you know, kind of in comparison, I feel like in small animal medicine, we probably get to know owners really well because they come in frequently and maybe they have a good idea of what we do. Maybe they don't from, from that perspective for you in terms of, you know, the ranchers or the owners of the herd, how, how do you feel you and, and your position or your profession are, are viewed? Is it, is it a pretty good relationship or is it something that you don't really see the same people too often so you don't really develop that relationship? No, I see these people often. <laughs> okay. You would think, I mean, daily. I mean, I, I will go to the same operation or they will bring cattle in like on a routine basis. I mean, these people are almost just like your small animal clients because – well, I mean, we work with big, big ranches that have 3,000 head of cattle that we, I mean, we truly sit down and we develop their program for them based on, you know, kind of what I, you were talking about in my bio. Like, we'll sit down with these producers and we'll go through the risk. Like, what are the risks of your operation? Where are we having problems in this operation? Where can we fix things? Where can we change things? Where can we adjust things? And we do that on a daily basis um, with big ranches. But we also do it with, you know, the small, you know, they have five cows. Their kid shows in 4-H. Um, they're a show animal. We see these producers and I talk to the producers on a daily basis. Um, they all have my <laughs> cell phone number. <laughs> and even like 
when they call the clinic, if you call the clinic, it'll say, you know, do you have a large animal medicine question or do you need something for large animals? It sends them straight to my cell phone. So, um, <laughs> I basically like, I field all of our producers when it comes to our cattle clients, not so much on the equine side, but as far as the, the cattle side of the business, our producers, and it's really kind of helped our veterinarians, you know, they, they all the associate DBMs were like, we're so glad you're here because we used to have callback piles that were like six <laughs> yeah. inches tall. Yeah. Like now it's two papers a day because then I field all those questions for them. And if it's not something that I feel confident in answering, I'll just say, okay, let me get this off to a DVM. But yeah, they're like, we're so glad you're here because our callback piles are tiny now, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is great. No, the communication, that's a lot of what I do in the consulting part of the business. So um, while I do general production animal care, in the hospital and outside the hospital in ambulatory situations, I do a lot of the consulting part of our business. So, and what that means or what that looks like may be different to how another technician would consult, right? So I am consulting directly with our producers and I am consulting with them on their herd health programs because prevention is huge for large animal medicine and especially production animal medicines because we want to minimize antimicrobial use as much as possible and promote prevention through that. So I will by myself a lot of times sit down with a producer and we'll go through some risk-based questions, or I may even do go out to their operation and do a herd health audit um, and just look over their operation as far as their management practices. How are they giving vaccines? What are their disinfectant protocols as far as like the dairy side of the business? Because maybe we're seeing you know, high somatic cell counts, we're seeing a lot of mastitis, and that's kind of how the whole mastitis, autogenous mastitis vaccine came about. But just working with those producers to uncover problems so that we can figure out what's going on. And this is my internal medicine brain, you know, working like, okay, let's figure <laughs> out what the problem is. Yeah. Let's figure out how we can fix it, right? So that's a lot of what I do on a daily basis is just trying to figure out those issues and figuring out if there's a way that we can help them through those problems. And yeah, they, um, they'll, they'll blow my phone up. <laughs> <laughs> and, and when you're going out to these, the ambulatory calls, you know, in my experience, when we have an issue with a horse, like a horse that's colicking or choking or whatever, we'll, we'll have the vet come out and they see one animal, but it sounds like you're doing more of like a, a whole herd kind of evaluation. Are you, are you going out just for emergencies or are you going out for like, are you there all day seeing obviously not 3000 head of cattle, but are you out there seeing a, a bunch of cattle all in one visit or is it, more like one-on-one -on -one with like an issue that's that's going on right so it depends um, okay. and we'll say both uh so we may have a patient come into the hospital for example we see a lot of respiratory cases because arkansas is kind of the hub for lightweight high-risk stalker calves that you know get pulled off their mama early sent to the cell barn people buy them and they end up with a lot of respiratory issues hmm. so we may see um, a calf come into the practice with a respiratory issue we'll run diagnostics we'll look for bbd we'll run uh, transtracheal washes and just look for different viruses and bacteria but then depending on what we find on those individual cases those individual cases can have herd health implications so depending on that individual animal what we find on that individual animal may have serious implications going back to the herd. So that's kind of how we start with those um, situations on how we can, how can we manage this individual case specifically, but then how can we manage your entire herd? Because now we know we have a bigger issue right. on our hands. So that's a lot of what we do. And there's a lot of things that we deal with in production animal that we may see an individual case, but then we also have to address the bigger picture. 
because it does have herd health implications for the entire population of animals. Sure. Wow. But, but days, yes, there, there is days when I go out and I'm, I am just looking at an entire herd wow. and not just an individual animal. So it, it's kind of, it's different day to day. It's different. So for sure. So we talked about in your, in your bio, and you kind of mentioned a little bit already, um, your candidate for a VTS in production animal, which is an, under the AIMVT, the internal medicine kind of umbrella. Curious about what that process looks like in terms of that specific VTS was one we're certainly not familiar with. It, uh, maybe what unique skills are required. And then you also mentioned in there somewhere something about a VTS initiative, and I definitely want to hear more about that too. Well, I will say doing a VTS has been a challenge. <laughs> it is, um, man, Reach. <laughs> I wish I would have done this. Like, I really so wish I would have done this when I was a lot younger and didn't have a child because I feel like it's it's been a lot of sacrifices that I've had to make as far as taking time away from my family to work on case logs and case reports, but I'm nearing the end. I'm about to turn this application in. I have wore poor Liz out at the AIMBT, but I'm so <laughs> thankful for her answering all my questions. But She's amazing um, and it's, for sure. And it's hard too, because I'm the first production animal applicant. So it's like, Ah, oh, I don't I, like what. Do, what do we need me to do? You know, <laughs> this is a brand new VTA. Oh boy! Yeah, amazing. So it's been a challenge, and just you know, the getting the cases has not been difficult because we see some strange stuff sometimes. But so I've I've had a lot of unique cases and a lot of variety in my cases. So I'm excited to to get those submitted. I'm almost done with my last case report. So. Case reports have been fun. I've enjoyed the case reports. It's getting all those case logs out and getting 75 of those wrote out and making sure I I say what I want to say and getting that across has been a challenge. But it's been good. I'm almost done. I can't wait to turn it in September 30th and be done. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. So all goes well and I'll be able to take that board exam. So. We'll see. When is your exam? Um. So so if my application is approved, the exam I think is in June. So is it is that okay. AIMBT? Is that what it's called? Yes, yes, sir. A okay. Yeah. <laughs> so many acronyms. So many acronyms. I know, I know, right? I know, it's right? it's easy yeah. to get lost. <laughs> any uh, any you know unique skills? I mean, I, I think of our skills list, and I, I don't think they're terribly unique to, to small animal medicine, certainly not an emergency medicine, but maybe just a couple skills you know off the top that you can think of that that are on your skills list because I. I, I literally have no concept of, of what might be on there. <laughs> well, yeah, it's really, I mean, it's really no different than, you know, small animal. I wouldn't think, I don't know what small animal list looks like, but I wouldn't think it'd be so much different. <laughs> but, you know, just using some of your advanced skills like ultrasonography, some of those cases that I've done, you know, CSF taps and calves um, with neurologic disease wow. or intraarticular injections, arthrocentesis. Uh, we see some, you know, septic arthritis calves and um, trying to think what else off the top of my head. Um abdominocentesis and a few of those here lately. Okay. okay. <laughs> just different yeah, things. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, yeah. just that I would say general skill sets um, that you would see just in advanced gotcha. practice. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. The, uh, some of those definitely are are quite advanced for sure. That's that's awesome. And then you also mentioned the VTS initiative. Um, and I, I think you meant, I think that was more for Arkansas, if I'm not mistaken, or I'm curious to, to hear more about that. Yeah. So once I kind of entered into this VTS path, um, I've always kind of had, you know, interest in, in getting a VTS. And then I saw, you know, where 
oh, they have production animal medicine. That's kind of a thing. So this is like perfect timing to kind of get in there and, and do um, a BTS in production animal internal medicine. So it worked out great um, because that I think it's been wonderful to really kind of challenge myself in that aspect. But at the same time, I'm like, okay, I'm doing this and I know I'm doing this because I want to be able to elevate myself within my career so I can continue to provide continuing education opportunities, but also provide myself some more credibility. But at the same time, why I'm doing this, why can't we do more in our profession, right? So thinking about some of the limitations that I've had working in the capacity that I do with our wonderful practice act, I will say we do have a wonderful practice act, but the limitations that we have been presented with, I think are opportunities for our state to utilize a VTS in. So what we've done, I kind of got on a, I got kind of on fire about this and was like, we're going to do something about this. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Grab the bull by the horns, so to speak. (laughs) Yeah. So like, I kind of got on fire about it. Right, right. But I just have such a wonderful relationship with so many of the veterinarians in the state because of my my previous role and what I was doing with Beringer Ingelheim that I really cultivated relationships. And I have so many of their phone numbers still that I can just like call them up and say, hey, I'm doing this. I need some answers. <laughs> Um, so I kind of worked together to create a survey and kind of put the survey out. And then I had some veterinarians that were like, ooh, we like this. We like this idea. Can we be on your committee? And I'm like, you come right now. Get on my committee. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so it's been wonderful. Yeah. So then I've also, in the same time, I found a couple other technicians that were interested in doing VTSs as well, both in small animal medicine. So it was like, oh, this is great, you know, because then we get some variety because I'll be kind of your production animal person. You can be our small animal technician representative. And then we also have these two DBMs that are very interested that are in one mixed animal practice and one small animal practice, which gives us variety, right, for a committee. So we work together. We've created this committee. We've sent out the survey to, to a bunch of veterinarians, like a ton of veterinarians, like over 100 veterinarians trying to get responses. We got 37, but that's okay. <laughs> hey, That was enough. Um, yeah. That was enough. Uh, it was enough yeah. to get us the results that we needed. 89% were in support of a VTS working in a mid-level practitioner role after they learned what it takes for a veterinary technician to become a VTS. They didn't even oh. know what a BTS was. Yeah. But after we explained the process of, okay, this is what it looks like to become a BTS, then, oh, yeah, we could utilize that. And we had them kind of rank their needs within their practice. You know, number one, they needed help with just routine appointments. And number two, they just needed to take a day off. <laughs> so, you know, we, we looked for ways to kind of find out what these veterinarians are needing. What do they need in their practice and, and what are they feeling in their practice? And how can we as technicians fill that void? Because 60% of them were trying to hire an associate DBM, but they can't find one. Mm-hmm. So it, it was an opportunity for us to get that information, find out what they're dealing with, what their challenges are, and figure out, okay, can we do something with this? Now that we know that they would support it, can we do something with it? And we absolutely can. So since then, we have had meetings with our state licensing board, with our state VMA, and we received, I would like to say, I don't know if I want to put it as complete support, 
but I will say they have been very neutral to, to the idea. They would be willing and they understand, they recognize that we have a need for associate DVMs, yet we're not getting them in our state. We're not retaining them in our state. And they recognize that we need to recognize these technicians for advancing in their careers. So it's been good. It's been an interesting path. So I don't think our state association is ever going to come out and say, yes, let's do this because they can't because right. they are as veterinarians that are not going to support this. And we understand that. Um, and our state licensing board, they have to remain neutral. I, I know there's veterinarians on that board that support it because one of them I work for. And then the other one that's on that board, she answered the survey. So I know kind of what her <laughs> thoughts are, but, but they can't come out and say yes. We support this because they have to remain neutral mm -hmm. as a licensing right. board, but they understand the pressures in our state, the situations that we're dealing with. They understand that we need to be able to retain our technicians and we need to appreciate and be able to offer an advancement in a, a technician's career if they are going to the trouble to obtain a VTS. So what we're doing is we have some proposed legislation and we are working with um, our state representatives. I luckily have an awesome state rep who's also one of my dairy producers <laughs> that has been super helpful in helping us create this legislation. So um, what that's going to look like, hopefully, um, and we will find out for sure this next legislative session, if that's going to go through, is allowing a VTS to create a veterinary technician specialist client patient relationship to where we can establish care with new patients. Uh, we're also looking at being able to perform anesthesia under direct, indirect supervision. So that means, you know, for these technicians that want to be utilized within the practice for dental floats on horses, um, they can go out, they can sedate these horses and do teeth and then come back to the practice. Um, so it's just being able to utilize uh, technicians in that manner. Additionally, we're also looking at being able to diagnose, prognose, and develop treatment plans with a collaborating veterinarian. So they would have to be in a collaborative practice agreement with a veterinarian. And then additionally, we have sections in there where potentially one day, not at this moment, because federal law kind of limits it on being able to prescribe once federal law ever changes, uh, a VTS would be able to prescribe at this time. It's kind of, we're kind of locked down on the federal level with that, but we sure. do want to be able to utilize technicians for additional roles such as like wound debridement, critical care, uh, assessing a, an emergency or critical care patient um, and getting those stabilized, uh, cyst removals, just different, you know, minor surgical procedures that a technician could perform outside of, you know, major abdominal surgery. That's not going to happen. But we want to be able to utilize uh, a technician to the fullest extent. If they're going to go to the trouble to do a VTS, we want to be able to utilize that within our state. Absolutely. For me in production animals, I will say, so for me in production animals, it wouldn't really a whole lot change very much because the scope of practice for food animal medicine techs in in Arkansas right now is so big. So I can surgically castrate right now. I can dehorn. I can do ultrasound determined pregnancy. So those are things that I can already do because that has been added to our practice act because of the shortage of food animal uh, veterinarians. So for me, it wouldn't change a whole lot in the way I work, but it would be wonderful for our equine and small animal technicians that are, that are getting a BTS. For sure. For sure. Dave, when was the last time you ever heard anybody on this podcast never say, they love their state practice act. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first one. I know. It's it's I mean just listening to to you describe 
and and frankly as well how how well you know the ins and outs mm -hmm. of it is is impressive in itself but but what you can do as a credentialed veterinary technician in the state of arkansas is absolutely amazing yeah. and we talk so much about utilization on this podcast across all facets of of the profession and i i listening to you talk about what you do i feel like that's exactly what all of us yeah. want and, and exactly what we you know would actually make like you're saying, veterinarians' jobs easier, our like jobs more fulfilling. I was just like, going to say, who, who wants to move to Arkansas? <laughs> well, I, well, my my, so my clinical really, days are behind me. <laughs> well, darn it. Darn it. <laughs> I could totally get you a position. <laughs> but really, even, even in the small animal aspect of things, because I'm – Yes, I'm kind of removed from that because I I literally hardly st I I walk through the hallway to go to a reception and that's all I do in the small animal hospital or I might pass off some lab work to our assistant. <laughs> I don't hardly <laughs> ever step into the small animal hospital, but there is so much that we could do to utilize these technicians and you know, I sit down with with my managing uh, DVM on what can we do to make this practice better? Not only in large animal, but in small animal. Because and I did work in mixed animal practice for a little bit. So I did do some small animal, but not a ton. So we sit down and we talked about the different things that you could utilize a technician for based on. And like, I literally feel like I could read the practice act on my <laughs> eyelids. I've looked at it so many times. <laughs> you know, we sit down and we, we look through these things. And I'm like, you know, under indirect supervision, what that means, like if you want to take a day off, you can, you just got to be able to answer your phone or you have to have these protocols written out to where if this patient comes in with XYZ clinical signs, they need to be able to address and assess that patient based on your recommendations and protocol, because that's what our practice access, mm -hmm. either indirect supervision through protocols or be able to contact through text or phone call. So I said, you can absolutely do the same thing on the small animal side. So we, we, again, shameless plug, we are hiring. We want a <laughs> technician in that small animal hospital to be able to do routine appointments. We can also utilize our technician for sick appointments, anything that's, you know, not major medicine cases, but if it's uh, maybe it's an ear dog or, you know, that's skin issues or something like that, that's something a technician could work up. And then mm -hmm. if it warrants further attention, issue a consult over to a veterinarian. Um, so that's, I mean, that's a way that we have doctors that are utilizing their technicians right now in Arkansas. So we are wanting to do that same thing in our small animal hospital. We just can't find anybody that wants to live in rural Arkansas. <laughs> but <laughs> Sure, sure. You know, and, and that's a challenge with every veterinarian. And the, the veterinarians that are working with me on this committee that is absolutely how they utilize their technicians. One of them owns three practices and is keeping the third one afloat using her technician to the fullest extent because the town cannot support a full-time veterinarian. She's able to utilize that technician for routine, appoint routine appointments for her established clients for vaccines, for um, skin issues or whatever else you see in small animal. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, she she really she she really utilizes uh, her technicians in that aspect. But the thing about it is, we are a rural state, and there's just yeah. I mean, we're a very rural state, mm. so we just need to get people here that have interest in working in veterinary technology, because there is veterinarians that will utilize you to the fullest extent, and they see that you will you know you will grow their practice, and they will compensate you accordingly. 
Don't look at the Arkansas average pay because it's not representative of all the veterinarians in the state. While some of them, yes, don't want to pay you for what you do, they're also not utilizing you. But there is veterinarians that will utilize you to the fullest extent and pay you for it. Nice. Excellent. Love it. Love Uh, it. So as we've gotten, well, we're beyond our hour now and just starting to wrap up here. What else do you want our colleagues to hear about this subject? So kind of brag on what you do and and, uh, let us know if there's anything else that we didn't we didn't touch on that, that that you want to get out to our listeners. Well, I don't know. We covered a yeah, lot. Yeah, we did. Um, <laughs> I just did. We, we talked about a lot of things. Yeah. Um, you know, something that like I'm excited about to kind of see the results of is the mastitis vaccine that I'm working on right now. I'm working with a lot of different producers. So we're, we're mainly a beef state, but we do have a handful of dairies still that are, are really trying to stay afloat. And the manufacturer of a vaccine, they discontinued the product. And these dairy producers were just kind of like, what do we do now? Yeah. Because there's nothing else out there for this vaccine. Like, what do we do? And I'm like, hold on, I'm here. Let me get my cape. <laughs> and, you know, we were seeing, um, you know, cases of clinical mastitis and there were having a lot of issues with high somatic cell counts. So on these, on these individual cows that we're seeing major issues with, I was able to uh, get those cows cultured get those sent off. Um, I'm working with a company, Vaxinova, that's storing those isolates for me. And then once I kind of got all the all the bacteria that I really wanted in this vaccine, because I wanted to make sure it was really good and broad, I wanted all these staphs and streps and E. coli's. Once I got everything I kind of wanted in that vaccine, they store those isolates for us and they say, okay, we're going to, we're ready. We've got everything we need. Now they just put it into, into production. So it takes about 10 weeks to produce that vaccine. So we're getting, we're, we're almost halfway there as far as the vaccine development. So I'm excited to see the results of that and and hope that it really helps my producers improve um, their operation and see less clinical mastitis. That's great. That's something I'm excited about. I don't really like my, my interest is obviously beef. Um, and that's where all my, um, most of my education is in beef. So I'm really, I'm really learning and stepping outside the box, working with these dairy producers, but I, I really hope that that helps them and they see change. So it's great that we have like yeah, technicians that are working awesome. on vaccines. Like that's, we don't see that in small yes. animal. That That's yes. amazing. Right. I love it. I love it. Is there a person or topic that you would like to see us interview or talk about in a future episode of the Bet Tech Cafe, whether in your world, large animal or, or anybody else that you're, that you're aware of any other people you think we should talk to? Well, I think it would be wonderful. Um, I know it's the Vet Tech Cafe, but I would I would love for the Vet Tech community to hear from Dr. Natalie Cooper and Dr. Tabitha Norris, who are the veterinarians that are on this VTS committee with me, on how they utilize their technicians within their practice in small animal. Because I think that would be wonderful for other technicians to hear about how they're utilizing them in their practice and what what they've done with them. One of them has a technician that's working on their VTS as well. So I think it would be great to kind of hear the veterinarian's perspective on how to utilize their their technicians within that practice. Absolutely. And we kind of have started the conversation, I think, with Dr. Andy Rourke. And I know there's a couple other veterinarians we want to talk to. We, we kind of want to start a little series, if you will, about the the veterinarian credential technician relationship dynamic, how, how we as technicians can improve that, what they're looking for in us. So 
that would actually be a, a wonderful part of that conversation. Yeah. So um, we will we'll definitely get some contact info from you for for them. All right, Meg. You, now it's time for your would you rather question. Are you ready for it? Sure. Oh boy. Okay. <laughs> would you rather never be able to order appetizers or desserts at a restaurant ever again? Oh, probably appetizers because I have a sweet tooth. Oh wow. Okay. <laughs> I, I would say probably ninety percent of the time I get appetizers before I get desserts. I, yeah, I'm the I'm the same way actually. Oh, I, I I I can't eat dessert like right after dinner, but I'm I'm always game for appetizers. We probably oh. our go to is the appetizers, and then by the time dessert comes around, you're like, I already have those appetizers, and <laughs> <laughs> I don't have room. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because that's what happens. It's like, oh, I don't need my meal now. I just I'm full right. on chips and stuff. Right. Exactly. <laughs> right. Every every right. Mexican meal <laughs> Absolutely. is. Absolutely. I always end up taking something home because I. I, I ate too many chips and salsa. Yep. yep Good problem to yep. have. Absolutely. We'll have that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, Meg. Oh, I appreciate y'all. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for taking some time out to, to chat with us about all of this. Um, we really, really appreciate it. And honestly, it was a fascinating yeah. glimpse into, into your world. I, I think there's so much. Actually, it kind of gives me a lot of hope about that there, there are technicians doing all of these things that, that we hope for technicians to be able to do so super cool um if caffeinators if you don't already definitely check out her uh facebook page the cattle vet tech some super cool content on there and thank you so much for the time we really really appreciate the conversation well i appreciate y'all and i just i want to say if you want to see change spark it get a fire in yourself and just make contacts because that's really what it takes uh you know some people then you can get to other people and you can get things done. So excellent. Don't give Absolutely. up. One of those things that just, if you want to see change, make it happen. Awesome. Absolutely. And there's absolutely. our quote. All right, caffeinators. Yep. Absolutely. We'll talk to you guys again soon. Bye guys. Hello caffeinators. We wanted to thank dog days consulting for managing our social media and helping with the interior design here at the vet tech cafe. They don't just do social media. They can help you identify your brand through brand coaching. The founder is a CVPM with 15 years experience in veterinary practice management. They are a small business proudly serving the veterinary community and we are thrilled to be working with them. Check them out at www.dogdaysconsulting.com. Hey caffeinators, we would like to thank you for listening to the Vet Tech Cafe podcast today. As everybody is well aware by now, we often talk about difficult issues that face our profession. In addition, we chat with colleagues and leaders in our field who have strong opinions of these issues. Those opinions expressed by either Dave or Jeff as the hosts, or those opinions expressed by our guests, are their opinions alone and do not represent any other person, business, institution, or any other entity inside or outside of the scope of veterinary medicine. If you have any questions relating to this, please email us at vettechcafe at gmail.com or visit our website www.vettechcafe.com. Lastly, whatever platform you utilize to hear our dulcet tones, please rate and review our podcast and like and follow our Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn pages as well to see what we're up to. From all of us at the Vet Tech Cafe, have yourself a great day.